Our law has historically required that every landowner has an obligation of lateral support to a neighbour's land. This is based on the principle that every landowner can expect, as part of his entitlement of use and enjoyment, to have the natural condition, position and topography of his land preserved. Up until recently, what was less clear was whether a landowner had a right of lateral support if that landowner had erected a structure, such as a house or other building, on his land. Fortunately, the Supreme Court of Appeal has now pronounced on this question. With us this week is Albert Swat, a director at Strauss Daily Attorneys. Albert will be discussing a recent Supreme Court of Appeal case that dealt with neighbour law, duty of lateral support. As always, a pleasure to welcome you back, Albert. Good morning, T and listeners. I will be discussing the judgment in Marina, Petropoulos and another versus Artur Fernando Pereira Diaz. The judgment was delivered by the SCA on the 21st of May 2020. Albert, what was this appeal about? This appeal was about the nature, scope and ambit of the duty of lateral support owed in respect of adjacent properties. The Court of Q, the Western Cape Division of the High Court in Cape Town, concluded that the duty of lateral support is owed not only in respect of land but also buildings constructed on the land, save where such land has been unreasonably loaded so as to place an unreasonable burden on the neighbouring land. The appeal was with leave of the court acute. Could you put this in perspective for us? What are the brief background facts of this appeal? The appellant, Mrs. Petropoulos, the respondent, Mr. Diaz, and Mr. David Fenter owned adjoining properties in Camsbury, Cape Town, on a steeply sloping mountainside. During March to August 2008, all of the properties except for the appellants had houses built on them. During March 2008, the appellant and Mr. Fenter each undertook excavations on their respective properties, near the respective boundaries of the respondent's property. The excavation on the appellant's property was in preparation for the building of a house, while Mr. Fenter was preparing to build an additional garage. The excavation on the appellant's property involved fairly substantial excavations. From May 2008, problems became evident on the respondent's property. A dip appeared in the garden, furrows appeared in the garden between the respondent's property and the appellant's, and the ground under it collapsed during the course of the construction of a retaining wall. Between July and August 2008, there was a major movement in the underlying ground. The entire slope on which respondent's property is situated subsided. The respondent's property moved laterally and downwards towards the excavation on the appellant's property.
resulting in extensive structural damage to the property. There were problems on Mr. Fenter's property as well. The property subsided and cracked. Cracks appeared, which forced Mr. Fenter, because of safety precautions, to abandon the property. The respondent attributed the damage to his property to the excavations undertaken by the appellant and Mr. Fenter on their respective properties. He instituted a claim for damages against both based on strict liability for breach of the duty to provide lateral support. The appellant and Mr. Fenter each defended the action and denied liability. The appellant also joined the second appellant, Nick Murov and Associates, the project engineer for the works on her property as a third party to the proceedings. It is indeed a slippery slope, but what were the main issues the court acquiesce had to consider? Whether a common law duty to provide lateral support to the respondent's property was owed by the appellant and Mr. Fenter's properties. Whether the excavations carried out on each of the properties in May or June 2008 breached this duty to provide lateral support. If so, whether as a result of the respondent's property being so deprived of such lateral support by such excavations, the slope on which respondent's property was situated, mobilized and subsided in June 2008. And what was the verdict in the court queue? The court queue declared that the appellant and Mr. Fenter owed the respondent a duty to provide lateral support to his property. The excavations undertaken on their respective properties breached that duty as a result of which the slope on which the respondent's property is situated mobilized and subsided. No substantive order was made against the second appellant, the project engineer, except that it was ordered to pay the respondent's cost jointly and severally with the appellant. What was the case of the appellant on appeal? She contended that she did not owe a duty to provide lateral support to the respondent's property because the property was no longer in its natural state. The excavations on the appellant's property did not breach the duty to provide lateral support. The excavation on the appellant's property was not linked sufficiently closely to the harm suffered by the respondent for legal liability to ensure, referred to as causation, and on the facts of this case, it is inconceivable that the appellant should be held liable to the respondent in the absence of a finding of fault. Is the duty of support owed only in respect of land in its natural state? The FCA pronounced that the court acute correctly held that the duty of lateral support was not limited to land in its natural state, but extended 
to buildings on the land. However, the court acute articulated an exception to that general principle. The court said that a duty of lateral support extends not only to land but also to buildings, save where such land has been unreasonably loaded so as to place an unreasonable burden on the neighbouring land. The SCA did not support the exception the court acute sought to introduce. Did the excavations on the appellant's property breach the duty of lateral support owed to the respondent? Expert evidence was tendered at the trial. The SCA found that having carefully considered the totality of the evidence of the two experts, the court acute cannot be faulted for preferring the evidence in support of the respondent's case. The evidence provided the most reasoned and cognant explanation for what had happened. The evidence closely matched the objective facts. Therefore, the respondent succeeded in establishing that the slope mobilization had resulted from a breach of the duty to provide lateral support due to the excavation on the appellant's property. Following on from that, and dealing with causation, how did the SCA rule on this issue? There are two distinct questions in the causation inquiry. The first is a factual one, called factual causation, and the second is a legal one, called legal causation. The SCA answered the first question in the affirmative. In determining the presence of legal causation, the question is whether it is fair, reasonable and just that the appellant be burdened with liability. The SCA again answered this question also in the affirmative. And how did the SCA deal with the no-fault liability issue? The SCA found that culpa or dolus is not required for liability because the right of support is a natural right of ownership. There are sufficient safeguards and flexibility in our law so as to ensure that one is not unjustifiably punished at the expense of others. Liability without fault here is usually restricted to damage to life, limb and property. On the facts, the court acute correctly held that the appellant is liable to the respondent. Albert, in conclusion, what was the order of the SCA? The appeal is dismissed with costs, such costs to be paid by the appellants jointly and severally, the one paying the other to be absolved. Thank you, Albert. I think it is certainly a relevant ruling to be aware of, especially here on the south coast with our hilly terrain and dune topography. Better safe than sorry, as they say. Thank you for taking time to share these outcomes with us. Take care. Thank you, listeners. Until next time, goodbye.